Did you know there is a Willimantic Orchestra? Well, Scott Charette joins me today, the music director and conductor of the Willimantic Orchestra, which will be having a performance this Sunday at 3 o'clock at the ECSU Fine Arts Center. Scott, good morning. Thanks for coming in for today. Do you get that question a lot from people who say, Willimantic has an orchestra? Uh, Hi, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Um, I I do get that question a lot. That's probably the most common question I get when people find out what I do. Um, And Willimantic has had an orchestra for... um, going on 45 years now, actually. It's, uh, it started in the late 70s, uh, coming out of Eastern Connecticut State, and it's been running ever since. Almost as famous as like the New York Philharmonic or whatever, but nonetheless, how many members are there in the Willimantic Orchestra? So it fluctuates. Um, currently, we have about 50 members, and uh, they come from all walks of lives. It's a community orchestra, so uh, they're volunteers, and um, they have other jobs, lawyers, doctors, uh, teachers, homemakers, and most of them played when they were younger, or um, you know, some of them took up their instruments a- as adults, and they join, and they come to the weekly rehearsals, and, and we put together some concerts. So you rehearse weekly. How often do you perform a public concert? We perform four concerts a year. We do uh, one in late September, which is a a pops concert, so more light music, um, jazz, popular music, that type of stuff. Sort of a Keith Lockhart kind of thing. Right, exactly, exactly. And then we do a concert in early December, which is the one that we have coming up. We do another one in March and another one in May. All right, tell me about Sunday's concert at the Eastern Fine Arts Instructional Center. So um, I'm really excited about Sunday's concert. We have a great program, lots of really good music. We're doing, um, uh, we're going to start the concert with an overture by Rossini, who is uh, an Italian composer. He composed a lot of operas. and um, did the Lone Ranger theme too, didn't he? He did, yeah. If you watch, uh, <laughs> if you watch any uh, cartoons, you've heard Rossini before. Uh, <laughs> so this, this particular overture is the overture to La Gaza Ladra, um, which, again, it's one of those pieces, uh, a lot of these pieces are pieces that you might not know the name of, but you've, you've heard before. Um, so we're doing that piece. Uh, we're doing a piece by an American composer, African-American composer named William Grant Still, who um, composed at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, it's a really great piece, has some nice little jazz influences in it. And then the last piece on the concert is uh, the Four Dances from Rodeo by Aaron Copeland, who's another great American composer. And you've got a guest soloist. Tell me about him. Yeah. The, so the, the, the last piece that we have on that concert is a trombone concerto. And a concerto is a piece for a soloist with orchestral accompaniment. And um, this particular soloist is Dr. Matthew Russo. He's the trombone professor at the University of Connecticut. And um, this piece is a, is a brand new piece. It's by Dorothy Gates, who's a, a living composer. Um, she lives, I believe, in Virginia right now. Uh, she's moved around quite a bit in the past few years. But this piece has not been performed very much, especially the orchestral version. It was written uh, 2016, so it's only, uh, what is that, seven years old. And um, we're really happy to be presenting it. I, I believe this is the first time in New England that it's been performed. Is there a charge for this event? There is no charge for this event, but we do accept donations. There is some cost to keeping the orchestra running, so we appreciate any help with that. And you've got other concerts coming up during the course of the year. What's next after this Sunday's performance? 
So we have two more concerts coming up this year. We have one Sunday, March 3rd at 3 o'clock, and that's going to be at Wyndham Middle School. Um, for that concert, we are we have as a guest the winner of the region, uh, Wyndham Regional Arts Council Concerto Competition. They have a competition that they run every year. It was last Sunday, actually. I was one of the adjudicators at it. And uh, we have a young man from Mansfield named Dustin Rude who's going to be playing the Vinyaski Violin Concerto. Um, which is a great piece, and he's a, a great kid and a really spectacular player. I think people would really love to see him. Um, and then on that concert, we're also doing the Enigma Variations by Elgar and a piece called Water Reflections by Yukiko Nishimura, who's a, another modern composer from Japan. Um, and then our final concert of the year is Sunday, May 19th. That's at 3 o'clock, also at Eastern Connecticut State University. And for that concert, we're partnering up with the Consonare Choirs, who are, uh, it's a choir program run by Sarah Coffold out of uh, Mansfield. And we're going to be doing uh, two pieces with them, a Luminare by Elaine Hagenberg, which is a, a, a current piece, and then um, selections from Carmina Burana by Carl Orff, which is a, a piece from, you know, about 100 years ago. And that's oh, another Fortuna. one where, right, oh, where Fortuna. everybody knows it. Yeah, <laughs> well, here's how, here's how a lot of people know it. Here's how I know it, how I learned about it, is that when Randy Edsel was the head football coach at UConn, they would bring the football team out of the tunnel before the opening kickoff, and they would play that very dramatic music. Yep. And they haven't done it since he left. But that uh, anybody that went to a UConn football game would know what that particular piece is. Right, yeah, it's very... Um, yeah, it's very memorable. <laughs> it makes an impact, for sure. See, I know my classical music a there little bit go. here today. <laughs> now, speaking of knowing your classical music, when you have an event like the one coming up this Sunday at the Eastern Fine Arts Instructional Center, do you actually get a chance, perhaps you as the conductor, to talk to the audience and give them some background on who these composers were, what this piece is all about, so they learn about the history of the piece before or after they hear the piece. Yeah, so one of the things that we're really trying to do um, with the orchestra is demystify classical music and make it um, accessible to everybody. I think some people think of classical music and they think of it as being stuck up and, you know, people in tuxedos up on stages. Um, so, you know, we try to... to have the concerts run in a way that's a little bit less formal and laid back, uh, come as you are, and I tend to talk a lot during the concerts and uh, chat about the pieces and give some anecdotes and, and talk people through it. Because we know a lot of the people who are coming to these concerts are not classical music fans, but we hope they're classical music fans when they leave. What about kids? Would this be a good event to bring kids, maybe to expose them to classical music? Absolutely. Kids are more than welcome. Um, I bring my kids. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a lot, we, all, we often have a lot of kids in the audience. And again, it's a, it's a laid-back concert. We don't mind if the kids make some noise. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, this is not the New York Philharmonic. Um, and, you know, we would encourage anybody, any age, to come. And speaking of tuxedos, does the music director and conductor for the Willimantic Orchestra wear a tux when you put on a show? I hate wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> That's so an answer I the question. Try, <laughs> I try not to if I can. Nobody I probably, likes wearing them. <laughs> I, I own multiple, but I probably will not wear one on Sunday unless my wife makes me. What are, what are rehearsals like? You've got a bunch of people who really enjoy music, classical music. I got to think that they're doing this for a love of the music. Yeah, they really are. Um, they they 
uh, they come with a positive attitude, and they they work really hard on this music. It's, it's the same music that professional orchestras play, um, so it's not easy. And uh, we usually will rehearse for about two months leading up to the concert. We rehearse weekly, and um, it's amazing to hear where it starts and where it ends. Um, when when they come in, uh, it's it's pretty rough around the edges, and uh, my job is to smooth out those edges and make it sound as good as it possibly can. You are a classically trained bassist. Do you get the itch to get out there and play the bass when you're up there conducting? Um, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I enjoy both equally. Um, I do play quite a bit, um, you know, in all kinds of different styles. I play, uh, most recently, I played with the Eastern Connecticut Symphony, Good Speed Musicals, um, the New England Repertory Orchestra. So I, I play quite a bit as a bass player, and I can scratch that itch. Um, and the Willimantic Orchestra is where I, where I get my conducting itch scratched. Where did you first get this itch to scratch? Where did you first see or hear classical music? So I was kind of a latecomer to classical music. When I was in high school, I played um, in bands. Um, I wanted to play rock and roll and heavy metal. And um, my sister was a violin player. And she convinced me to try um, playing playing bass at that time, and and I I, I did that, and I um, I learned through my school music program, and I played some bass and some cello and some viola and kicked around, and then when I was a senior in high school, I started taking lessons with one of the bass players in the Boston Ballet Orchestra, and I just kind of learned about the world of classical music, and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool, and uh, ended up, um, you know, going on and studying it. And the road has taken you through Worcester and through stores at E.O. Smith. Mm -hmm. Connect the dots there. So um, my my wife, who is a, a psychiatrist, she went to medical school in Worcester. And uh, that's how we ended up in Worcester. And um, I was conducting an orchestra there called the Seven Hills Symphony. Um, and we drew a, a radius of 50 miles around Worcester when she when she got into medical school there and I looked for a job and um, I ended up at E.O. Smith which was really um, it, it was so fortunate because it's such a great place it's a great school and a great community and um, yeah I've been there ever since I was the orchestra director and the department head for for quite a while and I had an opportunity to step back a little bit a couple years ago and I left the department head part of the job and now I'm teaching popular music um, guitar, piano, um, and also music theory there. Is it interesting and fun to do for kids today what you had done to yourself a generation earlier when they're used to the pop music they hear on the radio and devices and things like that to expose them to an entirely new dimension of music? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, I think that most that many people will say, oh, I don't like classical music when they, when they, <laughs> I just, <frowned laughs> just grimaced at me. Because I love um, it, and I've been to many classical concerts, including chamber music concerts. Sure, sure. And I think that, but I think that that's the reality is that most people do like classical music. They just don't necessarily know how to access it. And they feel like there's a large, um, a large buy-in to, to entry. And, um, you know, that's, again, in my teaching and in my work with the orchestra, um, to get across to people the idea that there isn't a large buy-in to entry, that, that you can just come and enjoy the music and you don't really have to know anything else. There are no special rules. 
it's just music like anything else. And there are some really amazing moments in, in a lot of classical pieces that, um, that get you up just as much as, as a great rock song. If I take you to a desert island and you can bring along one CD or one classical album, which composer or performer would it be? I mean, you know that's an impossible question, yeah, that's right? Pick your favorite kid. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I would probably choose um, one of the Mahler symphonies, maybe the Mahler's first symphony or Mahler's fifth symphony. Uh, th those are examples of pieces that it's basically um, a, a, a rock tune. That's <laughs> that's with with an orchestra. It's it's just so um, dynamic and exciting, and it's a piece that I could listen to forever. Now, as the conductor of the Willimantic Orchestra, when you hear a classical piece such as Mahler, in your head anyway, do you got the baton and you're doing your thing as a conductor would do when <laughs> that piece is playing? Um, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I try not to because. Um, you know, you you want to kind of be in the moment with it and actually listen to what's going on and not not guess at what's coming next necessarily. But um, I do the when I know a piece really well, I tend to do that more. Who are your stable of musicians in the Willimantic Orchestra? What range of geography do they come from, and how do you get them all together to rehearse so often? <laughs> so we have um, we have musicians from all around the area: Tolland, Woodstock, Chaplin, Colchester, Hebron. Really, it's a it's a wide range of of people, and um, we rehearse every Thursday, um, well, most Thursdays at at in the band room at E.O. Smith High School, and um, you know it's a it's a it's a we we do a lot of good work, but it's a pretty laid back environment. Uh, people come as often as they can, and I think it's a highlight in many in many of the musicians' weeks. So they they try to make time for it, and they get there. And uh, um, yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but it's very rewarding. Tell me about the venue for Sunday's three p.m. concert, the Eastern Connecticut State University Fine Arts Instructional Center, brand new facility on High Street. And I've seen several events there, different kinds of music, and it has phenomenal acoustics. This must be a thrill to play there. Yeah, it's really wonderful. It's an amazing hall. Um, if you have not, um, if listeners out there have not been there, it's, uh, this is a great opportunity to check it out. It's a beautiful room. It does sound great. Um, you can tune the acoustics. They have some panels in the walls that you can make adjustments to, and, and you can really get a perfect sound there. What do you find to be the direction of youngsters these days? You talked about E.O. Smith, but I'm just talking middle high schoolers. As far as them being exposed to different types of music, this pertains to my question earlier about the kids who you know listen to the pop stuff that's out today and then they hear classical for the first time. But you've got not only kids who are starting to appreciate this kind of music, but the key, I think, is getting them exposed to it in the first place so mm -hmm. that they understand what it is. How can we do a better job of that? Um, I think the main thing is just supporting music education in our schools. Um, it's so, it varies so much from town to town. Some schools have amazing music education programs around here where um, the kids are afforded access to instruments and to uh, choir and to general music. And then some, some schools, they, don't, they just don't have those opportunities. So that's the biggest thing is getting them exposed and getting them exposed early. Um, I know, you know, my daughter is eight years old and she comes home humming in the Hall of the Mountain King by Grieg. Obviously, that's coming from from activities that they do in school with those with those young children. And just that 
um, that exposure is something that's going to stay with them for life. It's like making an investment in, in their artistic well-being. I'm impressed with that because when you mentioned Grieg, I would assume that she probably heard it around the house someplace. But no, she heard it at school. Yeah, I guess they do like movement exercises to it. Some kind of, yeah. It's very interesting. That's good stuff. <laughs> Scott, uh, repeat again exactly what the plan is for Sunday afternoon at the Eastern Fine Arts Instructional Center for your upcoming concert. So Sunday, we've got a great concert. Um, we've got some some great music that I think people will recognize, even if you don't necessarily uh, feel like you know too much about classical music. We've also got Dr. Matthew Russo, who is a trombone soloist. He's faculty at UConn, and he plays um, all over the state. Uh, he'll be playing a piece by Dorothy Gates called Servant of Peace, and um, it's going to be a spectacular concert. We're really looking forward to it. Now, do you as the conductor put on the uh, Keith Lockhart kind of show? Because he puts on a show in front of the, the Boston Pops. Yep, yep. I am. I'm. I'm not Keith Lockhart. I'll go. <laughs> I'll say that right away. But I do try to make things um, interesting and uh, for for the audience. Are you more Arthur Fiedler? Scott Charette, the music director, the conductor of the Willimantic Orchestra. And they're on stage at 3 o'clock at the Eastern Connecticut State University Fine Arts Center. Scott, good to see you and hope a lot of people come out to enjoy your music at that great facility. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks so much for having me.